Well, good morning, Hope City. How y'all doing this morning? Awesome. Uh, I am so excited to be speaking to you all today. Um, However you're listening, whether you're in this room with us or at our Shepherdsville campus or online, I just want you to be encouraged. Uh, My name is Katie, and I am the Family Ministries Pastor here at the church. And like I said, I am excited to be here with you all. We are right in the middle of uh, our series the GOAT, which stands for greatest of all times, greatest of all times. And uh, we have been reading through the book of John, uh, and John is talking about teachings, stories, miracles about Jesus, because Jesus is the GOAT. The theme throughout this series and the theme throughout uh, the book of John has been belief. So John wrote the gospel so that we, so that people, so that thousands of years later, people would believe, and not just believe intellectually. John wants us to believe supernaturally, believe that not just that Jesus lived, but that he lives, and if we believe in him, we can live too. He wants us to believe that Jesus is God, and he came down to this earth to save the world. So today, we're going to be reading from John chapter 9. And so if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to John chapter 9, or you should have gotten a sermon guide on the way in, some of the scriptures on there, along with a place to take notes. So in today's story, we're going to see a man who is born blind. He has never seen a sunset, never seen the flowers bloom, or any of the, his uh, friends and family's faces, and he has been sitting on the sidelines his whole life because of this condition. But the story is going to show us that God uses our bad circumstances to bring us to belief. The reason it's going to be so helpful for us to go through this story today is because just like we're going to see the disciples and the religious leaders, uh, we, when we face things like trouble or tragedy or loss, we want to figure out like what kind of category it falls in or why it's happened or whose fault it is. Um, we ask ourselves sometimes, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? But really, if we think about the negative events in our life or our experiences, it falls into one, or three, one of three categories. Sometimes the negative things we experience are consequences. Sometimes they're consequences of our actions. It's our fault. We break the law, we go to jail. We rack up a bunch of debt and spend a bunch of money. We pay the penalty. Um, We're a jerk to people. We don't have any friends. So (laughs) you get it, right? So sometimes the things we experience are consequences of our own actions. We don't like to admit it, but when life stinks, it's because of poor choices that we've made. So sometimes there are consequences, but not always. Sometimes the things we experience are tests. The Bible teaches us that uh, God tests us right? He, they're not really fun. Sometimes his tests are a little bit difficult. Like we have a boss that's hard to honor or submit to, or we're um, still waiting on something that we thought would come a long time ago. Um, But God never hurts us and he never tempts us, but he will test us with difficult circumstances in order to grow and develop our faith. So sometimes the things, the negative events that happen in our life are caused by their consequences of our actions. Sometimes God is testing us. 
But the majority of the time, the things that we face are just circumstances of living in a broken world. So we have career trouble, marriage problems, sickness, uh, different things like that, all kinds of things. It's because we live in a world that is broken and fallen, and until we go to heaven with Jesus, uh, we just have to deal with it. So while I was thinking about trying to categorize these things, I thought about like a negative event for my daughter Presley. She is five, and she falls down a lot. Um, and so the other day she falls and I'm not really sure why I'm like wondering why. And I'm thinking, well, were you wearing socks in the house on the hardwood floor? Like that would be a consequence because you weren't supposed to do that. Or were you supposed to be learning to listen to mommy and daddy? We don't run in the house. Or is it just kids fall down? You know, the circumstance of this world that kids fall down. Or it could be something like this. Maybe you have, um, a leaky basement right, and your basement's leaking, water's coming in, and you're thinking, is it because there was a problem that I did not fix that I should have? Maybe, or is it, um, or maybe God is trying to teach me to be a good steward with the things that he's given me. Possibly, but really, basements are leaky, and it hasn't stopped raining in Louisville in like eight months, right? So, (laughs) but in the story today in John 9, the disciples are going to ask the question, Why is this man born blind? Why is he born blind? So they want to know what category it falls in. And the disciples think they have it figured out. They think it's the consequence of someone's wrongdoing. They're like, he's blind, so his parents must be bad people, right? And while we probably never actually say this out loud, um, in our attempt to try to understand the world, we come up with the conclusion that bad things happen to bad people, and that good things can't happen to people that do bad things. Those are two conclusions that we come up with. But we don't just think it about other people. We think it about ourselves, too. We think, my, say my kids are, like, getting in trouble at school, or there are bad grades, or they, um, they get in trouble with the law, or they walk away from their faith. What's our first question? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Or maybe we can't catch a break. People are, somebody broke into my car, or I lost my job, or my mom got sick, and you think, what did I do to you, God? Or maybe it's the other way, total opposite. Things are going great, you're on a roll, life is good, and you're like, I earned this, or God's blessing me because I did everything right. But we cannot understand a world where bad things happen to good people, and vice versa. But as we read through John 9, Jesus is going to totally dismantle all of those misconceptions for us because they're just simply not true. The disciples assume a good person could not be born in bad circumstances. And we'll see that the religious leaders are saying that something good could not happen to someone that was blind or bad. But Jesus shows us that the blindness is just the circumstance of living in a fallen world. But even when life stinks, God can bring purpose out of misfortune. And the best possible thing that can come out of a difficult circumstance is a deep-rooted belief in Jesus. So open up your Bibles, get out your sermon guide, and let's tackle John 9 today. All right. We are uh, starting at verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why was this man born blind? 
Was it because of his own sins or the sins of his parents? So this is exactly what we were just talking about. The disciples want to assign blame. They see a man that's blind, and they want to know whose fault it is. Um, And we struggle with that, too. We see someone on the side of the road that's homeless, and we assume that they're lazy. Or maybe it's um, we think someone that is overweight or obese, we think maybe they um, have don't, don't have discipline in their life. Or maybe we see someone that's divorced, and we assume that they're broken or from a broken home. But So the disciples are struggling with the idea that bad things happen to bad people. But we are going to see what Jesus says about it. Verse 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, This happened so the power of God can be seen in him. If you have a way to highlight that or underline it, say, This happened because the pow- so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus tells us that his blindness is not a consequence of his actions or his parents' actions. But it's so that his power can be seen in him. So what does that mean? Jesus is saying there is always purpose to our pain. There is always purpose to our pain. And he is saying no matter how awful something is, God can use that situation to let us see his power. So let's keep reading. We're looking at John now we're still in John 9, verse 6. I'm going to read 6 through 11. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Shalom. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Verse 8. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't that the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. Then they asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud, spread it over my eyes, and told me, go to the pool of Shalom and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. So this man is blind, and Jesus stops and has a personal encounter with him. He places mud on his eyes. He goes and washes off, and he comes back seeing, and he is pumped. If you have it on your scripture, it's exclamation point. He comes back seeing, and the people are like, who is that? What happened? How did that happen? See, we have no idea what to think when something good happens to somebody that we perceive as bad. It's a great reminder that not, you're not going to make everybody happy. When God starts doing something in your life, not everyone's going to celebrate it. Because even the people that witnessed this miracle questioned on whether or not it was even legitimate. Often it's because of our preconceived ideas about life or about God or about someone that keeps us from accepting something out of our comfort zone. We become uncomfortable when it's something we cannot explain. So the neighbors believed that we're blind because of something that we did, and so they cannot accept that something good would happen to him. So I want to read um, a few more verses for us. We're on John 12. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made mud and healed him. 
So the people are trying to validate the miracle. So they take him to the religious leaders to see if it even happened. Verse 15. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, I put the mud over my eyes and then I washed it away and I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. When the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion of this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. So the Pharisees are divided because they think that it could not be, Jesus could not be from God because he is, quote, working on the Sabbath. This is uh, just another uh, example of legalism. So if you missed Pastor Jason's sermon from a couple weeks ago about legalism, you can catch up on the podcast. But the idea is that when people become overly uh, religious or legalistic, that they cannot celebrate things. They find something wrong with every situation. And in this story, the religious leaders find it wrong that he's making mud on the Sabbath because they consider that working. And they can't even celebrate the miracle that happened, right? So let's keep reading. Verse 18. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents. They asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son, and he was born blind, verse 21, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, he's old enough, ask him. Verse 24, so for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, is a, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man said, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. So the disciples were under the assumption that bad things can't happen to bad people. And we see the religious leaders and the neighbors are so caught up in this belief that good things cannot happen to people that are bad or people that do bad things. They think because he's blind and he's a sinner that he doesn't deserve to have something good happen to him. His circumstances were just caused by this fallen world that we live in, but uh, God can do something amazing in it. So for the time we have left today, I want to look at three good things that came out of this man's bad circumstance. So three good things that came out of bad, uh, this man's bad circumstance. And... Um, so it's on your sermon guide. We'll be filling in some notes there. But Jesus said that his blindness would display God's power, and the same is true for our life. In the middle of our pain or misfortune, God wants to become more real to us and more real to the people around us. So grab your sermon guide, and uh, let's get started on this. So three good things that come out of bad circumstances. The first good thing is an open heart, an open heart. So I'm not 100% sure how much saliva it would take to make mud out of dirt, but I'm guessing it would be a lot. And so Jesus makes this mud, and I don't know about you, I would have to be pretty desperate to let someone put like saliva mud on my face, right? So this man, he is out of options. He doesn't have um, 
he's no longer stubborn, so he's pretty desperate. He's like, come on. He's open. He's open to whatever God wants him to do, and he follows his instructions completely because his open heart. He's like, I'm desperate. Put the mud on my face. Let me find the pool of shalom and get there, but he does exactly what God, Jesus tells him because of his open heart, and let's look. We're going to read the end of the story, so after he meets with the Pharisees, he gets kicked out of the synagogue, and then Jesus shows back up in verse 35. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. You see, bad circumstances open our hearts to the possibility of believing in Jesus. I wish I could say that we find God at the top when things are going great. We cry out to him when life is good, but we don't. The truth is, most of the time, we find God at the bottom. In our most desperate situations, in desperation, we open our hearts. So a while back, um, I attended my first Bible study here, and it was with my sister, And she was in a situation where she was engaged to someone that she wasn't sure um, that she should marry. So her idea of unrest in this circumstance she found herself in had her open herself to God to come to a Bible study. So that was when um, she found the Lord. And I went with her. And let me tell you, this is how God works. Like you think you're going with somebody and helping them. But God was really working on me too, right? (laughs) So uh, while we're in the Bible study, I realize I'm dealing with some unforgiveness toward my husband and myself, and I found myself in a bad situation, and I opened my heart to God. We hear it all the time in Hope Stories, and we love it so much. It's like my friend asked me like a hundred times to come to church, and then I was scared about the diagnosis of our child, so we decided to walk through the doors of Hope City, or I didn't really think there was much to God or church, but then my mom got really sick, so I thought maybe he could help. Or I found out my daughter was on drugs, or my husband left me, or my best friend passed away unexpectedly. All of these bad circumstances open our hearts, right? So my husband and I, we have two daughters. Rayleigh, she's seven, going on 17, so y'all just pray for me. Um, And then we have Presley. She's five. She's the one that falls down a lot. Um, But she was born in February of 2014. And at that time, so 2014, I had been, um, it was three years after the Bible study that I spoke of earlier, and I had been following Jesus. And my husband, Brad, he was was definitely along for the journey. Like he would um, consider himself a Christian. He came to Hope City. But he would define himself at that point in our lives like he just necessarily, wasn't necessarily all in, right? Um, so I'm in the hospital. We just had Presley. I had a C-section with Rayleigh, very routine C-section with Presley. Second time around, it usually goes pretty well. So I'm in the recovery room, and um, it's the middle of the night. So Brad is, he is sending our parents home. Everything's good. We're getting ready to go up to the room and everything. We'll see y'all tomorrow. He goes out to the car to get our stuff, and I'm laying there, and I'm holding our new baby, and I'm like, get really, really lightheaded, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on? So I remember yelling for the nurse. I'm like, Jennifer, come here, and so the nurse runs in, and I'm like, take the baby. I'm going to pass out, like, so I hand her over 
And I remember just like being in and out of consciousness. And keep in mind, like, because I had a C-section, I was numb from the waist down. Um, and I didn't know it, but I was actually bleeding out at that point in my life. And I was, so the nurse lays me back and I'm like in and out of it. And I hear them, she's bleeding, she's hemorrhaging. We got to get her to the doctor, got to get her to the OR. Um, so they go to rush me out in the bed and I look over and I see my husband. We make eye contact and he and I are both pretty sure that this is it, you know, that I am not going to make it. Um, and Brad found himself in a bad situation, in a bad circumstance. But for the first time in his life, he opened his heart to Jesus. And he prayed, God, help me raise these two little girls. Because at that point, he thought that he was going to lose his wife and the mother of his children. But that moment changed Brad forever. He would say, I wouldn't choose it, but I wouldn't change it. Because God uses our bad circumstances to open our hearts. And let me tell you, whatever you're going through, no matter how awful it is, if you find Jesus, it's worth it. It's a blessing. I know what you're going through is hard. I know it's painful. But I know that you're going to know God in a whole new way because of it. Because there's perfect purpose in our pain. And speaking to myself, because it's been a rough year, and it's only March, <laughs> you know. But thank you, God, for heartache. Thank you for pain and for loss if it leads me to you. So the first good thing that comes out of a bad circumstance is an open heart. And the next good thing that comes out of a bad circumstance is the potential of a miracle, right? It's potentially a miracle. This man was blind, and Jesus gave him sight, right? He experienced miraculous healing. But this is where it gets tricky. How amazing would it be? I think the majority of us would say we would love to have a miracle and experience a miracle in our life. The power of God that defies the laws of nature, the power of God that human comprehension cannot understand. But to get a miracle, you have to need one. And nobody wants to be in a place to need one, right? The other, um, so the other good thing, besides, we have an open heart, and now we have a miracle. But what's interesting about this story is that this, um, so God actually, Jesus, during his lifetime, healed seven men of blindness. Um, there's seven accounts of that, but every single time he did it in a different way, a different method. Um, one time he just touched the man, the other time he, was, he spit on him, and then we have the mud story. But Jesus, he does that in our life too. He does it. <laughs> never does anything that we expect him to do when we expect him to do it. Because if he did, then it wouldn't be a miracle. And we wouldn't be able to recognize it. Of course, um, God doesn't always do what we want or what we ask of him. But that doesn't mean he won't or that he can't. Some of you today are facing awful medical sickness. And I cannot promise you that God will heal you. But I can tell you that he can. So keep praying for that miracle. Some of you are facing painful relational divide in your family with your siblings or your spouse or your children. And I cannot promise you that he will change their hearts. But I know that he can. So keep praying for the miracle. Career trouble, financial trouble, sickness, whatever it is. Maybe God wants to perform a miracle in your life so that you can experience his power and others can see it. So keep praying. 
Some of us have experienced a miracle. I have friends that would say that they walked away from car accidents they never should have walked away from. Um, people in my life have, um, have gotten pregnant or were able to adopt um, a child that they never thought they would get. Or um, maybe you survived an overdose. Or maybe it's a financial blessing in your life that you've experienced. But it's also the possibility that your miracle is no. You didn't get the job. You didn't marry that person. Or maybe um, you didn't get the grace from a judge that you thought you would, right? So sometimes we don't realize it's a miracle in our life because God does exact opposite of what we think he should do. But he always knows what we need when we need it. So about three years ago, um, my uncle, he had pneumonia really, really bad. He had diabetes. So um, his illness when he got sick and made it 10 times worse. And so uh, he's at the hospital. And my sister Allie and I, are we leave from church to go visit him. And that Saturday, the night before, he would say that he did not think he was going to make it. He couldn't breathe. He felt like there was an elephant on his chest. So um, as we're leaving the hospital, Allie's like, can we pray with you? And at that time, my uncle wouldn't necessarily call himself a believer, but he agreed to let us pray. And uh, Allie and I prayed for miraculous healing on his body, on his soul, everything. And uh, he cried, we cried, and we left knowing that God was up to something. Right? So then the next day, my uncle, he does a complete 180. He's like 100% better. You should have seen him. He's glowing. He's like, God healed me. I experienced a miracle. And he's like, a man who did not have faith was claiming that God healed him. Right? And so that miracle, um, he just was running around telling everybody about it. But that miracle from bad, a bad situation due to my uncle's illness uh, was the moment our uncle Johnny believe Jesus is who he says he is. And we were blessed for with three more years with our uncle who ended up coming here and serving and uh, just had a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Um, but it was because of that miracle that he had a relationship with Jesus here on earth and eternity in heaven with him, right? But when we experience a miracle like Uncle Johnny and like this blind man. We just cannot help but tell everybody about it. We want to tell everybody uh, what Jesus has done, which brings me to my next point. So the first thing that happens that's good in bad circumstances is an open heart. The next thing is the potential of a miracle. But our third thing is a testimony. A testimony is a personal account of something that happened. I love the answer that the blind man says when the people were like, isn't that the blind beggar that used to sit on the side of the road? And he's like, yes, I am. That is me, right? This is a great example of a testimony. For those of us that believe in Jesus, our testimony is our personal account um, of how Jesus has changed our life. It's not a secondhand story. It's our story. It's let me tell you about my life before Jesus, and let me tell you about my life after I met Jesus. But the way that the people were asking, isn't that the blind man, people um, do that with us too sometimes. They, when they see something different in our life, they're always, people will be like, isn't that, you know, the couple that almost got divorced because she was having an affair? Or isn't that the addict who got arrested? Or isn't that the guy that used to be an atheist? But let me tell you, your testimony is more powerful and convincing than knowing all the answers about God. 
the blind man was being questioned left and right, and he's like, I don't know, maybe he's a prophet. I don't know. But you may not have all the answers when someone starts questioning you. But when your life has changed, you can be like him and say, I was blind, and now I see. I was hopeless, and now I have hope. I was miserable, and now I have joy. I was broken, and now I'm whole. If you want to see God's power in your life, you have to admit who you were. And I struggle with this all the time. Someone would have told me 10 years ago, 8 years ago, that I would have been up here telling you all about believing in Jesus. I would have told them they were crazy. But the best stories are the ones like this man. I can't explain it. I don't have all the answers. But I'm not who I used to be. You can't have a testimony without a test. And none of us want to face terrible circumstances. But God uses those circumstances to give us a story. But if our story ended there, it would just be something that made us feel good, right? It would be a man was blind, now he can see, yay, let's all go home. But there's more to it. Jesus wanted to do more than heal his condition or fix his problems. God will do that. He will heal your condition and fix your problems. But he wants this man and he wants us to experience the power of God. So he shows back up in verse 35 and he asks the most important question. Do you believe in the Son of God? He doesn't say, do you believe that I'm a real person? Because he's standing right in front of him and this man can see him now, right? He says, do you believe that I am God? And I came down from heaven to save the world. And the man's response is, yes, I want to believe in you. In other words, everything I've been through, everything I've seen, I've come to a place where I desire to believe in you, Lord. Let me ask you an obvious but difficult question. What would have been better for this man? To be born with sight? but never coming to find Jesus and believe in him? Or to be born blind and spend most of his life in the darkness on the sidelines, but come to a place where he believes in Jesus? Of course, I think the majority of us would choose blindness and belief when we're talking about somebody else. But we have to believe the same thing is true for our life. A sick body and a saved soul is better than a healthy body and a lost soul. A hard life here on earth and eternity in heaven is better than an easy life in hell. It would be great if we could have an easy life and a saved soul. But usually it's the challenging, difficult, bad circumstances that open our hearts, help us experience Jesus, and give us our testimony. So today we pray the courageous prayer. God do whatever it takes in my life for me to believe in you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for bad circumstances that lead us to you, God. We know that you don't cause everything, but we know that you can show up in the middle of it all and use our pain for a purpose. God, I pray for anyone in this room going through something difficult that they take comfort in knowing that you are right there. Help them to open their hearts to you, God. Help them to believe in the miracle that you are going to provide for their lives, God. 
I give, give us strength to keep praying through all of it. Help us to see our testimony as something to shout about, Lord, because we want to show your power in our lives and so other people can see it. Lord, your words say that we will face trials and we will face troubles, but help us to lean on you and to keep the faith when we know uh, it's tough, God. You are the light of the world, and I pray that each and every one of us comes out of the darkness to find you, God. Our hearts, um, our circumstances bring us to a place that open our hearts, God. Help us experience you in a whole new way and give us a testimony, Lord, that says, I was blind, but now I can see. God, I pray for every single person here today that they may see that their circumstance is a part of your story, a part of your purpose in their life because there's purpose in every single pain, trial, tragedy, trouble, anything that we're going through, Lord. Help us to lean on you for strength when we feel weak. God, I thank you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.